Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. With summer quickly approaching, CarShield is offering a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs, like AC parts and check engine light mysteries. See why CarShield is voted America's most trusted vehicle protection company and see why our Commitment to our customers has landed us an A rating with the Better Business Bureau. We have live reps here to answer all your questions. Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Visit us for your free quick quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. What do you have to lose? Visit carshield.com audio. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go. Here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there. Let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. We're back with another big episode of the Giants huddle podcast brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. A monster show today. I sit down one-on-one with Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Bob Papa with head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. And, of course, Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino do their game preview with Dave Wyman, who covers the Seahawks. He's their radio analyst. All right, everybody, before we get started, just a reminder, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms, Giants.com slash podcast, and on the Giants mobile app. And make sure you go check out all of our other podcast options, including draft season, which we started up again. Make sure you go check that out. And subscribe. Just search for draft season again on your favorite podcast platforms. All right, let's get to it, everybody. We're going to lead off with my one-on-one interview with the Giants' starting quarterback, Daniel Jones. Daniel, how are you, man? Doing well, John. How you doing? It's always good to talk to you. We always talk post-game. Now we get to talk pre-game for once. Giants trade Kadarius Tony this week. It's kind of a continuation of a churn that you've had in this wide receiver room since the summer. Guys getting hurt, coming back, new guys coming in. What's been your process trying to integrate a lot of these new guys into the system, get chemistry with them, to really keep it going, even though I think you know four or five straight weeks, different guy leads the unit in snap counts, there are different guys in different spots. How have you managed all the change? Uh, well, I mean, I think it starts with those guys. I think those guys have done a really good job coming in, knowing what to do, uh, being on the same page, uh, and executing, being where they're supposed to be, running good routes, getting open, so... Uh, you know, I don't. That certainly won't won't change now, and and I got a lot of trust and faith in in uh, in those guys in those spots. Do you have a process with your receivers each week? I know Eli used to have, I think, either a Thursday, or Friday wide receiver meeting. Is there something you do with that group and even your tight ends and backs to make sure you guys are on the same page each week? Um, I think it's continuous throughout the week. Um, I think we're always talking through meetings, and um, you know, obviously the coach is talking a lot, but whenever there's a point to make or something to get on the same page with we we uh we certainly do that and then through walkthroughs and then you know time after practice getting certain routes and making sure 
uh, you've got everything repped and you feel good about everything going into the week. So I think it's a, a continuous, continuous process we're always working through. I want to dig into some details, but I'll start the, the line of question here with something very broad because you've been here for some losing seasons, but this year you're 6-1. and one. You're inside this. You're seeing it closer up than anybody from the outside. What's the difference, in your opinion, from what's happened in years past to what's happening today? Why is this team different? I don't know. I mean, I think, um, you know, these games are all so close. I think, you know, it didn't – I think you learn – I learned that early in, in my time, you know, playing in the NFL that there's there's such little separation between winning and losing and the margin of error, uh, you know, is so, so small. So, um, you know, it's it's about who can perform well late in, late in games, who can uh, compete throughout the end of the game and take advantage of that opportunity or, or make that more, you know, one more play when it counts at the end. So, uh, we've been able to do that, uh, you know, pretty well through this first, first part of the season. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, you look at it and you, you understand how much more, you know, there still is out there for us, how much better we can still get. And, and, uh, that's what we're focused on, focused on improving going forward. Is there a secret sauce to, to winning close games? And, you know, I think you guys are plus almost 40 points in the fourth quarter this year to playing your best football in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't think there's a secret sauce. I don't think there's a, you know, I don't think there's one thing that's different or, or uh, you know, a, a quick, you know, fix or a certain thing you, you got to do. I think it's just about uh, everybody doing their job and a bunch of little little details to each play that, that you know, ultimately add up to, uh, to making the difference at the end, and, and we found ways to do that. You know, it's funny, and you know, you think fourth quarter comebacks, and your team, I think, is tied in the NFL league in fourth quarter comebacks this year. You always think throwing the ball a lot, right? You're down, you got to throw the ball, you got to go fast. But your comebacks have had a lot to do with the run game, right? And you guys have stayed patient, you've stayed with the game plan. It just seems very unique. Can you talk about just how you guys have maintained your patience in these fourth quarters, even though you're down sometimes two scores to start the quarter, but you're not getting out of character to try to come back and win these games? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think we, you know, we got a a group that's poised and and keeps, you know, keeps their composure late in the games and you know, no one feels like they need to do anything um, you know, unbelievable or out of their, um, out of their job or out of their role. You know, you you do your job, you stay within your role, the explosive plays happen, the, you know, we'll break a run or or explosive pass play, or, um, you know, you find ways to make plays when everyone does their job. So I think that's kind of been the mindset we've approached it with. And, uh, we found different ways to do it, different ways to, uh, you know, move the ball down the field and score, late in games, but, you know, trusting trusting each other to do each other's job. You know, and I think that's decision-making from all the players, right? And and for you specifically, because you have the ball in your hand on every play. And Brian Dable's talked a lot this year about your decision-making. That's something you've talked about a lot. Where have you seen the progress in your decision-making this year? Have you seen a big change? Have you taken a different approach in terms of making better and quicker decisions on a more consistent basis? Um, I don't think my approach has necessarily changed. I think I'm, you know, you get better at it. <laughs> the more you do anything, the the better you get at it. it. Reps, and I think right? I've, yeah. I've uh, gotten better, gotten, uh, you know, seeing things quicker and making quicker decisions. I think that's, you know, ultimately the challenge of playing the position is how quickly can you make the right decision and get the ball out of your hands. So, um, you know, that's what I've been focused on doing. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not the perfect decision every, every, every time, but, uh, you know, making a, a quick decision, uh, getting the ball out. You know, if you got to extend a play, if you got to get out of the pocket, doing that also. 
I think you just hit there, and this is what I want to follow up. You talked about getting the ball out of your hand, but I think a lot of the times, at least from the outside looking in, it looks like you've made some decisions sometimes to run a little bit quicker than you have in years past. And maybe not even sometimes to buy time. You just run. Like there was the third and four in the first half against the Jaguars last week where there was pressure. You stepped up in the pocket, ran for 12 yards up the middle for the first down. Is that something that you consciously have have done to maybe make that decision to run a little bit quicker because you know you can get the yards for the first down and not wait that extra two or three seconds for a receiver to open up downfield? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the situation. You know, you want to know uh, what coverage you're playing and, and how they're uh, playing you. You know, do they have a lot of eyes on you or are they uh, people sitting at the sticks or there's an opportunity to get out of the pocket and, and go. But, yeah, I mean, I think whether you're – uh, whether you're getting out, getting the ball out of your hands with a check down or whether you're uh, turning and running, I think you know it's similar to make a decision and go with it and trust that decision um, and then make it work. It doesn't have to be the perfect decision every time. You know, we talked about discipline with the game plan in the fourth quarter for these comebacks, and I think discipline with you, right, because I'm sure – Deep down inside, you want to throw that big 20-yard ball downfield, make a big play, you know, open the offense, throw it over the yard. But you really maintained, I think, your discipline in taking what's there. Uh, is that a difficult thing for a quarterback to do where, you know, inside you want to go make that big play, but, you know, maybe that's not the best thing for the team? How have you stayed so disciplined in, in what they're trying to ask you to do every game in these, in these game plans? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's about that is staying staying disciplined, taking what what's there. You know, when the shots there, when when it's open, and and when we got a chance to do it, you you know, you rip it and, and cut it loose. But when it's not, you gotta, uh, you know, you gotta stay disciplined to that. If you gotta check the ball down, if you gotta uh, throw it to the, you know throw a swing to Saquon, that's that's a good play for us too. He can break a tackle and it turns into explosive play. So. Um, whatever whatever the decision is, just stay disciplined to it. And, and uh, when the shot's there, take it. If not, um, you know, make a good decision and move on. Is that one of the things that you figure out over time with the additional reps like you talked about in the previous answer? I think so, yeah. I think you get better at that process. You know, it's certainly something I've tried to do uh, in the past, but you, you get better at it. One thing you talked about, too, this year, I think, in, in some of your answers to these questions you talk about always having options in this offense. This option, this offense gives you a lot of options, and you always have answers for what the defense is showing you. I kind of want to get inside that a little bit. Are you talking more when you get to the line of scrimmage and you can change to a play? Is it once you snap it and then the defense identifies what it's doing, then you guys can adjust during the play? When you say you always have a good option of, of how to beat what the other team's showing you, can you just talk about what you mean by that? Yeah, I think it's both. I think you know sometimes it's pre-snap, it's certain look, and – um, you're changing a, a route or you're, or you're uh, checking something or, uh, you know, there's communication between uh, myself and the receivers to getting the, the best look. And then there's, uh, you know, part of that that happens after the snap and, you know, being on the same page with guys, knowing how they're going to see certain coverages, how they're going to uncover, how they're going to, uh, you know, make the break to the top of routes. I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, pre and post snap, there's a lot of options. You know, one thing, you know, quarterbacks have said to me before is that, the best offenses are the ones that make things a little bit easier for the quarterbacks in terms of making those decisions and taking the options that allow you to have successful plays. What is it about this offense that lends itself to giving you those options that you can take so a play can be successful, even though when it's called based on the defense, maybe it shouldn't work, but there are ways out of it to make it work? Um, well, I mean, I think it only works if, if you're on the same page with guys. It only works if everyone understands and has an idea 
um, you know, what's going to happen before it happens. Um, you know, if, when they're expecting uh, a check or they're expecting a certain route, um, you know, that's when people are, are able to understand it, you know, and, and execute, play fast and, and have success with it. So I think it starts there with preparation. And, and uh, I think we're prepared to, to do all those different things, which make it, you know, a lot easier on the quarterback once we get out there. We talked about explosive plays. Right now you guys have seven pass plays of 20-plus yards, I'm sure. If I told you before the year that this week that would be your number of explosive passes, you'd be like, boy, I wish it was more. I wish we'd be doing better. Yet you're 6-1. and one. The offense is moving up and down the field. You're making plays when you have to. Why has this team been able to be so successful offensively without getting those explosive chunk plays? Through the air. Um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think, um, you know, we've, we've found ways to sustain drives and, uh, move the ball, execute consistently, uh, while we move the ball down the field and, and, uh, you know, found ways to punch it in. So we're running the ball well, um, you know, doing some good things in the past game too. So, uh, we've got guys who, who execute well consistently. Yeah. Do you feel like your past games hitting its stride a little bit? I still had, especially in the first half against Jacksonville, the run game in the first half didn't work that well. I think you threw almost twice as many passes as you did call run plays, uh, and you scored 13 points in that first half against the Jaguars. With Wandell back, do you feel that your passing game is really starting to hit its stride now? I think we've improved. I think, you know, there's still a lot of work to do for us, um, you know, and we'll continue to do that. But, um, yeah, I think we're getting better every week. You talk about the run game, how successful it's been. We talked about you scrambling with your legs, right? How about your, the part of the game where it's design runs for you? Has that really been a successful foil to the opponent focusing on Saquon? You know, you had the deep shot to, to Slayton, one of those shot plays in the first half of the game against Jaguars. That's how you back the safeties off, right? But another way you can do it to stop teams from focusing too much on Saquon is that if you're a threat of keeping it on, you know, boots or read options or whatever, have you found that your threat there has helped that run game be productive overall because you can be that counter threat to Barkley? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I think, uh, he attracts a lot of attention and, and rightfully so, um, you know, teams are, are, you know, they want to stop him. That's their, uh, that's probably the first thing on their list each week is to stop Saquon Barkley. So, um, there's things that come off of that, whether it's opportunities for me to run or, uh, you know, play action shots and, and, uh, things like that. But, um, yeah, I think that that certainly helps us, but starts, starts with the guys up front. They're doing a great job. And then Saquon's doing a good job running. Um, you had a couple I think two in each of the last two games, drives where he had two third and nines or more that you guys converted into first downs, and those drives eventually wound up in touchdowns. How have you been able to convert some of those third and long? Because those are really difficult to do against these defense when they're set up for those plays. What's working that you guys have been able to convert some of those third and longs? Um, well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one, the protection starts with the protection. Whenever you're in those long, third and long situations, defense knows you're throwing it and, uh, you know, you get their best pass rush. So we've done a good job protecting, um, you know, in those situations. And then guys, uh, guys have done a good job getting open down the field um, and uh, and making plays. So uh, we'll continue to do that and, and continue to see how we can improve those situations. Final question on the offense, just one on the opponent. You know, people talk about offenses being connected, right? Like one play working off another or one play setting up a play action. Um, different formations, plays look the same, but the play itself is actually different. Do you feel that connectivity in this offense where you're showing stuff, but the opponent maybe doesn't know what you're doing because so many of the plays look the same, at least when they begin, but in the end, they're actually pretty different. 
I think so, yeah. I think we do a good job uh, with that kind of stuff and scheming it up to where uh, the defense is expecting one thing because they've seen it either earlier in the game or, or on film or um, you know whatever the situation is, and then having something having something off of that. So I think that you know that's certainly something that that every team in the league tries to do is is uh, you know make certain looks look the same and then do different things off of it. But I think we've done a good job doing it. And that is that part of your plan every week? Will you show a team something in the first half, trying to set up something you know you're going to go going to go back to later? Uh, I mean, it, it could be not not necessarily. I think um, you know I think that. Uh, you know, we've done that. I think, you know, all teams try to do that to some extent. Uh, but whether it's on film, whether it's from a previous game, or whether it's just uh, a look that, you know, would, would uh, in most situations indicate something and trying to do something else off of it. But, uh, yeah, I think we've, been, we've done a good job doing that. All right, final question. What's uh, the challenge of the Seahawks defense this week coming up? Uh, yeah, they're a good defense. Um, you know, you you got a, a good front who's affected the affected the quarterback in the past game, and uh, good DBs. They got some young DBs that are that are playing really well uh, at a high level. So uh, we'll have to be ready for that. And then you know, just going into a hostile environment in uh, Seattle, you hear so much about the noise and, and having to deal with that. So uh, we've certainly been practicing, and, and uh, you know, think we're prepared for it. But um, all those things will, will certainly impact the game. Daniel, good stuff. Appreciate the time, my man. All right. Thank you, John. Giant fans, don't miss Giants football in MetLife Stadium. Limited tickets are available for all remaining home games, including a matchup with the hated Philadelphia Eagles in December. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game this season and secure your seat. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank Giants quarterback Daniel Jones for being very generous with this time uh, this week for us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. I hope you learned something. I think I got some insight, tried to get in-depth on his process and the offense, and I think we did. All right, let's get to the game this week. Giants travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, one of the most difficult places to play a game. Lance and Paul had a chance to talk to Dave Wyman. He's their radio analyst, and they broke down the Seahawks. Let's listen in. Two of the surprise teams in the NFC square off in the Emerald City as the 6-1 and Giants visit the 4-3 and Seahawks at Lumen Field on Sunday. To get more into this matchup and break down what to expect from Seattle, we're now joined by former NFL linebacker for the Seahawks and the Broncos, who serves as the color analyst on the Seahawks radio network, none other than Dave Wyman. Dave, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything's great, Lance and Paul. And, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we've got uh, got an interesting team here, man. It's really been fun to uh, to follow. And, um, yeah, it's uh, 
I think I was the only one in Seattle that predicted that they would be an above 500 team. And my, my reason for that is just Pete and John. I mean, Pete Carroll and John Schneider have just been a great combination. They got a great draft this year. So yeah, we'll see what happens. This is going to be the biggest test by far this weekend. Well, and I think, Dave, another pleasant surprise has been the play of, of course, Geno Smith, who leads the NFL in completion percentage and has been pretty efficient. But I think what a lot of people are maybe not talking about is the fact that he was here last season and he was familiar with the system that Shane Waldron had implemented. So how much do you think this is a product of the carryover that they started to build last season when he filled in for Russell Wilson? Yeah, I think I think that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, it, it's just weird, you know, a football player, because like baseball players, sometimes we had, we had a relief pitcher here, Paul Seawald, who I think was with the Mets at one point. But, you know, it finally clicked for him when he was 30 years old. That doesn't happen in the NFL. In the NFL, man, it clicks for you. For me, it was my second year. Uh, I was 23 years old, you know, and it that usually doesn't happen. But Gino is just... I mean, out of this world, I, I mean, he, he looked good last year, but I don't think anybody could have predicted that he would have the kind of season that he's having right now. And, um, and, and the other thing I, I would say, this is, a, this is a Pete Carroll special right here in, in the works. Pete puts his confidence into a player and, you know, pumps him up and gives him a good run game. And, you know, he just, he just has a way of getting the absolute best out of players. I mean, goes back to when they traded for Marshawn Lynch. Nobody was going to touch Marshawn Lynch, uh, you know, when he was in Buffalo. Lots of things going on there with him. Brought him in, got the best out of him. And then the players that leave, Russell Wilson, for example, don't tend to get better. So, you know, it's not – I mean, I know Sherm made a Pro Bowl with the 49ers after he left. But for the most part, I just think that Pete Carroll has a lot to do with this. He's, he's just – I think that's the best thing you can do as a coach is get the very best out of your players. And that's what he's getting right now with Gino. Well, Dave, not to be disrespectful to coach Carroll because he's going to go into the hall of fame. I don't think there's any doubt about that one day, but the giants right now have Wink Martindale, who's done a great job with this defense and has certainly a well-earned reputation. So as you look at this matchup between Martindale's kaleidoscope defense and the X's and O's that that Geno Smith has to execute, especially without Metcalf and, and Penny's been out for a bit. How do how do you see him being able to deal with Wink? Well, I, I mean that that's why I said it's going to be the biggest challenge. <laughs> I was just looking at the defense, the Giant defense, and what is there like four first rounders and three second rounders? I think there's a seventh and a fourth in there, but. Man, I mean, it's just it's just loaded. So, yeah, it's going to be every week is a new test. I mean, we thought, you know, we got two rookie tackles, and they did, they've did they done pretty well lately. I mean, J.J. Uh, Watt and uh, Marcus Golden got one sack a couple weeks ago. Uh, Khalil Mack didn't have any sacks last week. So, if they can affect Gino, which I think is going to be their toughest test yet, then, yeah, I think he's been making great decisions. Uh, he's you know, great audibles, things like that, um, that I feel like it's going to give the Seahawks a chance. Speaking of the offensive line, that obviously is a big reason why they've also been running the football effectively. And Dave Paul referenced the fact that Rashad Penny's out for the season with a broken fibula. And now all of a sudden income second round pick Kenneth Walker 
And the last two games, he certainly has transitioned very smoothly. What has impressed you the most about Walker? And why is it that you were talking about Pete Carroll gives confidence to Geno Smith? I feel like, Dave, every year the Seahawks, they deal with some type of injury, as you can attest to in the backfield. They plug in another guy, and it seems to be at least somewhat productive under those circumstances. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like the – and that's why I admire the, the 49ers run game, which is, by the way, thing to me that they gave up draft capital to get Christian McCaffrey. I mean, we'll see how they use him, but they've always been able to just plug a guy in. Um, last year it was Elijah Mitchell – uh, who's a sixth-round rookie, but, yep. you know, it's kind of the same way here. And that Kenneth Walker kid is – I think the thing that impresses me most about him is his patience. You know, if, you, if you've if you watched him run, there's a couple times where, you know, he'll stop and maybe try to cut back too much, and he, he tries to be a little bit too fancy instead of just hitting the gas. And now he's starting to, you know, really read his blocks well. He had two touchdowns last week. The first one was like a 12-yard run. And his patience, letting the blocker set up, you know, uh, which side to take. And, and then, you know, he, he hit the gas on the, on the toss where it goes for 74 yards. And so he's starting to figure it out. And, you know, I, look, I don't expect much out of rookies. Having played, I mean, my rookie year, I was totally lost. So, I mean, there's going to be setbacks and things like that. But so far, uh, Ken Walker has looked really good so very happy about that but really bummed about Rashad Penny because you know he's a first rounder he had a lot of pressure a lot of people were on him in Seattle the end of the year last year he really figured it out Adrian Peterson came to town and I think kind of helped him out and then he was he was off to the races this year and then and then he gets the the injury so really sad for him Rashad Penny also is one of the nicer kids you ever want to meet we mentioned earlier about Metcalf being hurt, but Lockett has always been a very productive receiver. I don't know what they expect to get out of the tight ends. It looks like their numbers are, are, are not exactly glowing off the page, but we know they're talented. And Goodwin had the two touchdown catches against the Chargers. How do you see the, the weaponry kind of shaking out against the Giants? Who do you think they're going to try to favor to get the ball to? Because I'm sure Dory Jackson's probably going to travel with Lockett all day. Yeah. Yeah. Lockett, he is such a good receiver against zone coverage. I mean, he's good against man, obviously, but I mean, he finds the exact middle of a zone every, almost every time. Um, but, you know, I think with the three tight ends, like they've only thrown it, I want to say it's like 16, now maybe 20 times to Will Disley, but he's got 19 catches. Here's the thing that, and, and to me, it's more about Geno than the receivers. I mean, I'm definitely surprised by Marquise Goodwin and the game that he had. But Dino had five incompletions in the first quarter against the Chargers and only two the rest of the way. Second, third, and fourth quarter had two incompletions. So he's just – the one thing he's doing, and I'm not going to be one of these guys that trashes Russell because Russ meant so much to this team. But his last few years, he either couldn't or wouldn't find the check down. And find, you know, throw the, the, the short route. They have a bootleg that they run a lot, you know, where there's a shallow guy, an intermediate guy, and then a deep guy. And more often than not, Gino has taken, you know, the short route or the, the intermediate route. And, you know, he just hasn't been greedy. He's just been, and that's why he's got the highest completion percentage in the, 
in the game. So I'm, I'm loving the three tight end set that they have. Um, and I think Marquise Goodwin can fill in if Metcalf's not available. But obviously, you know, a player like Metcalf, he's just such a he's such a good football player, guys. I, he, if you watch him on run plays, he's he's a bully. Like I, I'm surprised he doesn't get like more penalties because he will he'll mess with those DBs and he can pretty much dominate most of them physically. And uh, yeah, so they're they're definitely going to miss him. But I I just think in the passing game, it's more about Geno. He, he is just making great decisions, and he's not getting greedy, and he's not trying to throw the ball deep every time. Metcalf's size and frame certainly doesn't hurt based on what he can do as a receiver and a run blocker, as you mentioned. We're talking with Dave Wyman, former NFL linebacker, color analyst on the Seahawks radio network. Dave, you brought up the fact that they're using a lot of three tight end sets, and I want to piggyback off of that because it seems as if maybe that's a reason why the offensive line has been effective in run blocking as well as in pass protection. So what I'm getting at is how much do you think they're leaning more on the tight ends to help facilitate some of the issues they've had, at least coming into this season with that revamped offensive line? Yeah, absolutely. You're on it. I mean, it's they and Colby Parkinson, who is, I guess he would be their third tight end, the kid out of Stanford, he has built himself into just a monster. I mean, he's six seven. He's put on probably twenty five pounds of muscle, and he has become. If you look at the the, the long run, and a couple couple of the other runs, he's had some really nice blocks. So, and you're right. Also, they're helping with protection. You know, the first play that they ran, first pass play last week. You know, they doubled Khalil Mack, and you know the tight ends are chipping and staying in a lot. So they're they're a big part of what they're doing. That. 13 personnel with one back and three tight ends has shown up a lot. It was on both of the, the Ken Walker uh, touchdown runs, and they've gotten to be uh, – Will Disley's always been a good blocker. I'm not so sure about Noah Fant, but Noah, who was part of the trade with uh, for, for Russell Wilson, he catches a lot of passes. He gets targeted quite a bit. So, yeah, I think those three guys are, are really interesting players. If you have a good tight end who can block – and catch it's it just you know we haven't had anybody around here like that since zach miller and that was back when <laughs> russ was a rookie so um yeah they to finally have that and i i think will disley is kind of the you know he's the the leader of the pack but uh, but the other two guys it looked really good and they and they can they can block they're very they're at least very willing blockers we had jimmy graham here for a while great pass catcher but that dude just did not want to block and he wasn't good at it, and he didn't try. So, um, you know, that, that's the thing that I look for on tight ends is are, are, they, are they willing? And that's that these guys definitely uh, – Pat McPherson, the tight end coach, has done a great job with them. Dave, i got to ask you about one thing that's sticking out on defense, and that's this rookie, uh, Tariq Woolen, who has already got four interceptions. Uh, a scout said to me he's got tremendous speed and quickness. He has length. He's a converted receiver, so he's got really good ball skills. And my goodness, it looks like right now he's he's been a real thorn in some people's sides, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball when they try to throw against him. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's unbelievable. And again, you know, me being the old NFL guy, I just I don't expect much out of rookies. And by the way, the the four rookies that are playing the best, I think, play the hardest positions next to quarterbacks. The two offensive tackles, I mean, you're, you're facing J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, back-to-back. But then, you know, 
covering receivers in the league. It's it's incredibly hard. And, you know, not only has he been really good with his hands catching the ball, and he's catching balls. That's what I always say about defensive backs or corners. The quarterback's not throwing it to him. You know, they have to they have to get themselves in position. And then he's running right with him. He hasn't taken a lot of chances. Pete mentioned that. Pete's an old DB coach at heart. And the, the one thing he said about Woolen is it's not like he's jumping things or playing hunches or anything. Just really tight coverage, you know, and his speed. And I know Pete loves that, you know, style of like Brandon Browner, Richard Sherman. And by the way, Tariq was interviewed the other day and asked about comparisons to Richard Sherman. And he said, you know, I just want to be Tariq Woolen. <laughs> so I, I really love that response. And he's really a laid back kid. And, and you know, something interesting happened. Uh, after the Arizona game, it, they were down on the field. He was being interviewed. And I think it was Buda Baker and one of their other really good DBs that came over to him and were talking to him. Like, you could tell they didn't know him but they just kind of wanted to meet him. Like they've been watching him on film and they, you know, they came over and our, our sideline reporter said, they were like, Hey, Rook, keep it up, man. You're, you're doing great. And just encouraging him. So I think, you know, everybody around the league is seeing the film on Tariq Wool and, and Kobe Bryant too. He's the other guy who's got four punch outs. Those two guys account for, I think eight of their 11 or 12 takeaways. So, and you got to be confident to, to get takeaways because, you know, usually rookie, your rookie year, you're just kind of hanging on trying to do coverage properly and things like that. So, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And I'd say, you know, I was asked the other day, what's, what's the biggest surprise about this team? Is it Gino? Is it the rookies? I think to me, it was just Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen has just been uh, incredible. He's a really laid back kid. It's, uh, it's he's really fun to watch. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. To your point, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen have been extremely opportunistic. And that leads me to, Dave, the defense overall, because you look at the statistical numbers, and if you didn't watch any Seahawks games, you'd say, okay, they're 29th in total defense. They're tied for 28th in points per game allowed. They're 30th against the run. How the heck is this team four and three? But then you look at Arizona, the Cardinals, their lone touchdown was on a fumble recovery. So the defense didn't really give up any points. And then they had a respectable game, I would say, against the Chargers. So how much have the last two games, in your estimation, Dave, maybe been a sign of this unit actually turning the corner where those opportunistic plays are starting to reflect on the production overall of this group? Yeah, well, you're on it, Lance. I mean, the last two games, and here's what I would say, because they've been just bleeding yardage. I mean, just very uh, unsure. Uh, I feel like the defense was just kind of reading the blocks up front. And, and I think, you know, pass coverage, yeah, there was definitely leaky yardage. But the biggest problem, I thought, was the run yardage. So if you were, if you were to ask me, and I would say this, I'm not in the meetings. I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly what their terminology is and all that. But if you ask me, the last two weeks, I would say the front seven knows what gap they have before the ball snaps. That, that's what it looks like to me. They're attacking gaps. And that's the way I remember playing. And I do remember playing in a, in a uh, kind of a read defense that we ended up scrapping one year. It was 1988. And 
I got benched <laughs> because <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't, it didn't make sense to me and I was playing terrible and it just didn't. So we, we scrapped the defense and went back to just a, a single gap type of thing. So it's like, you know, as a linebacker before the play starts, I know I have the a gap. I think, the weeks before that, it was like, okay, I'm going to read this. And if the guard does this, then I'm going to go to the B gap. And, you know, they had their offensive or defensive linemen two gapping. So, you know, you're taking both sides and then the linebacker doesn't know what side to take. So that, you know, by the time they were taken on blocks, the offensive line was like four yards downfield. So I, I think that's the, the big difference is the, their front seven. Um, I feel like the, you know, the defensive backs have pretty much played, played pretty well but it's been more about the upfront stuff. And I, I think, I think they've turned a corner and I think they have the guys I got Al Woods is the big unsung hero on this defense. He's just huge. And uh, he stopped Austin Eckler with his right hand last <laughs> week. So, you know, they're, they're getting those guys in positions and they're playing a defense now that, that these guys understand and they get, because I know better than anybody, if you're thinking, and you're trying to diagnose after the ball is snapped, it, it just slows you down. And I think that's that's been the big difference. Dave, speaking of the front seven, the other guy that I think has really stepped up and has taken full advantage, you could argue, of probably a bigger role is Uchenna Owosu because when he was with the Chargers, this was a guy that was really buried behind some other premier pass rushers, including Joey Bosa. Now it seems as if he's got a huge role with Seattle and the numbers clearly are jumping off the page. He already has three sacks. How much has he provided a boost to a pass rushing unit, which didn't have overwhelming numbers, even if you go back to last season? Yeah, he's been great. And also is, he's got a real edge to him. He's got like an old school nastiness about him that I love. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he's, he's mean. I like that. He, <laughs> he plays mean and, and uh, yeah, and he's making plays as well. And you're right, man. Ingram, uh, he was behind Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa and those guys both have like 50 plus sacks in their career. So he's finally getting an opportunity and, uh, and he had a little, you know, edge last week playing against his former team, but um, he's been a really good leader. I love that about him. There was a play, my favorite play from this year was when, um, uh, kid Trey Lance. Trey Lance got hurt, and they brought in Jimmy G. And uh, Uchenna was rushing, and he just smoked Jimmy G. And, and Jimmy G got up and was like complaining to the ref, and he started jawing at, at uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. It was pretty. It was pretty awesome. I, I like that kind of player, and you know, I think he has been a really good leader for these guys, and and playing well. Like you said, his his numbers are great. There's no doubt about it. Big reason why this is going to be an intriguing matchup between the Seahawks and the Giants in the Emerald City on Sunday. He is Dave Wyman, former NFL linebacker. You can hear him as the color analyst on the Seahawks radio network. Dave, greatly appreciate the time and the insight. Looking forward to the matchup and look forward to also speaking to you down the road. Great talking to you guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate having me on. The Giants official connected TV streaming app Giants TV brings official video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. That was Dave Wyman. Again, he's a radio analyst for the Seahawks. Great, deep, in-depth look at that team and the challenge the Giants will face on Sunday with him, Lance Meadow, and Paul Dottino. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You think I need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. For the final part of our podcast, it's our weekly sit-down. The voice of the Giants, Bob Papa, talks to the head coach of the NYG, Brian Dable. The Giants in the Pacific Northwest taking on the Seattle Seahawks. And as always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Coach Brian Dable. And uh, Coach, uh, you know, just going back to last week real quickly, uh, you know, play to the profile, figure out a way to make plays to win. I know you finished the game with a touchdown-saving tackle, but I know that's not the way you want to finish games. Yeah, you know, there was a full 60-minute game, went all the way down to the wire. Uh, certainly there are things that we could have done better during that game, but credit to the players. They played for 60 minutes, and, and they got the job done. Now you got a Seattle team that's 4-3, and three, coming off a good win against the Chargers last week. Uh, they're in first place in their division. And, you know, one of the cool surprises this year, if you're an NFL fan, maybe not for your guys preparing for it, but it has been the play of Geno Smith. I mean, he leads the league in completion percentage, third in quarterback rating, and he can push the ball down the field. He's got eight touchdowns of 20 or more yards in the air. Just as you've studied him this week and prepared for him, what's made him different and good? Yeah, I'd just say he's playing at a very high level. I think the offense that they're running is very conducive to his skill set. Again, he can throw the ball deep, which obviously you just mentioned those numbers, intermediate and short. He's made good decisions. He's very compact in the pocket. Um, you know, he can get out of the pocket if he needs to, but uh, just uh, just playing the quarterback position at a very high level right now. And one of the things that they like to do, like you like to do, is run the football and Rookie Kenneth Walker has been absolutely amazing. I mean, over the last couple of weeks as a starter, he's averaging 132 and a half yards per game. Uh, as you study him, what makes him so dynamic? He has all the skill set to be a very, very good running back in this league. He's got great vision, patience. Uh, he can take it to the house. He's got quickness, balance, body control. Uh, he's usually making positive yards when the ball's in his hand, and um, he, he's certainly a challenge for, for our defense, um, and I'd say probably a lot of defenses in the NFL. He's, he's a dynamic running back. And he's explosive too, right? I mean, he's, uh, Saquon's got six runs of 20 or more yards. He's got five. Um, can you talk about sort of the combination of the power and the explosion that he has? Yeah, it, it's, it's unique. Um, and Again, we liked him when he was coming out of the draft, and uh, certainly it's not surprising that he's doing this right now. Uh, just a tremendous athlete. Again, you know, you, you, max, you mix his explosiveness, uh, his quickness, his vision, um, his anticipation, his instincts, all things that just make him a, a dynamic running back. 
Uh, another component that they have offensively is Tyler Lockett. Uh, you know, he's a veteran guy. We, you could still see Russell Wilson throwing those balls floating in there, those deep balls to Tyler Lockett, and he's kind of not missed a step. I mean, over the last two years, 22 touchdown receptions or 22 receptions in which the ball travels in the air 20 or more yards. What makes him so good at that? One, he's got great speed. He's got you know great vision in terms of when the ball's coming down and the ability to adjust. Uh, he's very smooth. He's a creative route runner. Um, you know, he's a heck of a receiver. You know, I, I remember visiting him way back in the day when when I was a position coach out in college, and um, you know, he's he's been a really good player for a long time, and, and one of the most productive players on their football team. Let's go to the other side of the ball and, and what you're going to be dealing with them defensively. Um, they've got two defensive scores. Um, Tariq Woolen has been unbelievable as a rookie fifth-round draft pick. Four interceptions. He's got a pick six. He's uh, blocked a field goal this season that was returned for a touchdown. What makes their defense a unique challenge this week? Well, they, they play the system very well that Coach Carroll has there. Um, and they have really fast, talented players. Uh, obviously, Tariq has, has really been outstanding. He's got great length. You know, For a big guy, he can, he can bend. He can change direction. He's got good ball skills. Um, you know, they're fast and they're physical, and they play for 60 minutes. Um, certainly going to be a challenge, particularly playing, you know, on the road at that stadium where Coach Carroll has, I think it's around a 70%, little over 70% winning percentage um, in Seattle. Coach, one of the, the best ways to take crowd noise, you know, the 12th man out of the game, is to be able to win at the line of scrimmage and establish your run game. Is that a simplistic version of one of the big keys to this game? Yeah, I think the line of scrimmage is always where it starts uh, on both sides of the ball, and they have a, a, a dynamic running game, and um, I know they're going to you know, be trying to pound it at us, and we're going to have to do a good job of, of trying to get knockbacks, setting the edge, and making tackles, and, and we're going to have to do the same on offense. It's not always going to be pretty. The run game never is, but the, the game always and will always start at the line of scrimmage. Coach, um, Daniel Jones won the NFC Offensive Player of the Week last week. Uh, obviously his first 100-career rushing game, but 200 yards passing. Can you talk a little bit about his growth from the start of training camp? But even now, I, I thought that was one of the best games I've ever seen him play, although the passing numbers aren't like off the charts. Um, the command that he had and the leadership that he showed was maybe one of his best performances ever. Yeah, I think he's improved since we got here. Go all the way back to OTAs and then to training camp, the, the preseason, and and now the early part of this season. I think, obviously, playing in a system and, and getting familiar with it um, helps. Uh, again, we're still at the early stages, but he's done everything we've asked him to do, and you know he's playing the quarterback position for us the way we need him to. And coach, one final thing, um, you know, Darius Slayton. You know, he was kind of lingering around and he was it wasn't kind of going well for him but he hung in there can you talk about the young man's perseverance and the fact that when his number finally was called he's been starting to make plays he's stretching the field for you he's got the touchdown last week but he's also drawn penalties and becoming a matchup problem for teams yeah what a great teammate you know I think he's got good competitive stamina he's shown that you know through those phases of what I talked about with Daniel and it wasn't always going his way, but he kept his head down. He, he kept working. Um, you know, really good teammate, and, and I'm, I'm happy that, you know, he kind of fought through that and has made some plays for us, and we're counting on him 
uh, down the road. Coach, best of luck. Bring the uh, earplugs out, and uh, best of luck, and we'll do it again, not next week, but in two weeks. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you. That's Giants head coach Brian Dable. We thank him for joining us on this week's edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. We thank Dave Wyman as well, and Daniel Jones for giving us all that time to talk about the Giants' hot start. For everyone, I am John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us in the Giants Huddle Podcast. And again, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast and all of our podcasts on the Giants Podcast Network, on the Giants mobile app, giants.com slash podcast, and on your favorite podcast platforms. The Giants Huddle Podcast is brought to you by PSEG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. Enjoy the game this weekend, everybody. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Watch sensational Grand Slam action on Tennis Channel as top stars clash at Roland Garros in Paris. Catch all the excitement. What a shot. Come on now. With Tennis Channel's comprehensive coverage as we bring you live matches and nightly encores, plus match previews. That is awesome. Don't miss one of the greatest events in all of sports. Roland Garros, the French Open. Daily live coverage on Tennis Channel, now through June 9th. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.